to The Coat Hanger on 2SER 107.3 FM. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, and we pay respects to elders, past and present. The Coat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. I'm Emma Phillips, your guest host this week, coming to you from Bidjigal Land. I have very big Phelam and Peter Holden-sized shoes to fill, but luckily I am joined by the outstanding talents of... This is Coach Kiwi coming to you from Wurundjeri land in the Eora Nation. Eastern Corner Nation, Nat- sorry. <laughs> and Nat Morgan coming from Gadigal land, I'm back. You can't keep me down or away. Nat Morgan, how did you get in here? Those of you who are long-time listeners of the show will know that Nat was a coat hanger mainstay up until this season and we've managed to talk her back on tonight Back on the show tonight for her shit stirring. I mean, specialist comments. <laughs> Nat, it is honestly great to have you back. Welcome. Good on you, girls. Thank you. Now, Gosh, this- look out. Last time Nat was a guest, she stayed for two years. Look out. <laughs> I think it was even three. So, it was a three years. Crikey. Yeah. Now, look, we've contracted just the one show this season. So, that's it. <laughs> In this week's show, our round six pod for AFLW season six, we will cover the, the news of the round, including the doggies rolling the top side. The Gold Coast Suns stealing hearts all over the country and the Giants breaking hearts. And the Pies look like they've finally arrived into season 2022. We'll also have a chat about whether the AFL has enough care in place for players as they are asked to do more and more with little notice across a hot Australian summer. Let's talk about that dog's big win over Adelaide. Now, Adelaide was sitting on top of the table and undefeated until today. The Western Bulldogs, on the other hand, hadn't won on the road in two years and have just collected their biggest scalp on Adelaide, Adelaide's home turf, what's more. Kiwi, how good was this match? Well, I think it was outstanding, outstanding for football and obviously anyone who supports um, the Bulldogs. Like I imagine Sue Alberti would be on a defibrillator for the rest, for the end of that game. Like it was tense. <laughs> um, Crows came back into it like you kind of knew they always would at some point. They just left it very, very late and credit to the Bulldogs, the way they scrounged at the end. And I have to say, Kirsty. Lamb by name, but wolf by nature. The hunger she had and the way she went after any little scrap around that goal in that last two minutes, just phenomenal. Um, but, you know, just exciting for the comp. And they're f- pretty reasonably fresh off um, a chunk of their team suffering COVID. They've had a couple of catch-up matches, so not a lot of rest in between. And their um, VFL team, which is where you sort of – put your reserve players so they get a run to keep their fitness up, had no AFLW players. So they had nobody spare to play even VFL. Their bench was down two players after even, I think, the first quarter because they lost a player in about the third minute. Um, you know, and their VFLW team, they were flogged. So f- for a club to go from, you know, both ends of the emotional spectrum, I guess, and um, and bounce back. But, yeah, fantastic. They're a young team and just the look on the faces of Berkey and all the players was just fantastic. It was it was pretty awesome to see. It was uh, it was pretty spectacular. Every player played their part, though, didn't they? It wasn't just the stars of, you know, the Blackburn and the Lambs, but Mooney, fantastic, and Fitzgerald, Guest Lynch, they were all terrific. Um, my highlight, I think, was that in that very last two minutes of match, 
madness that in the goal square, I think Gould, their number one for Adelaide, she got the ball and slammed it, but it was like a volleyball block happened. I don't know who it was. I haven't seen the replay yet, but someone put their hands up and their face up and just managed to, to knock it over the net, basically. I think that so may actually I was thinking that was Oh, do you reckon she was tall enough to do that? Just well, I reckon. Well, it was Kirsty Lamb. Tell you what, Beck Goddard, who reckoned that Adelaide were never going to be defeated this season, she'll have to eat a bit of humble lamb pie. I reckon. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. It was a top game. Yes, and the Bulldogs, uh, two years it's been since they have won on the road. So I don't know if either of you saw the footage after the match, but there were some very, very happy smiling faces. It really reminded me of a team having a finals win where all the coaching staff come out, all the volunteer staff come out, all the extras were there with big hugs and smiles. And at one point, crutches were being thrown left, right and centre. So <laughs> happy days down at the kennel at the moment. All right. I even looked at like even Mel Hickey when she came running on because she's running the back line there. She looked exhausted <laughs> as if she had played the game. So, and I think that was probably the feeling around around everyone. Um, but just it gives him that confidence. They've got some tough games going forward. So just gives him a bit of confidence now heading into those. I think they've got Brisbane coming up. Um, you know, so if you can knock off Adelaide at home. That's, you know, that's surely worth more than just four points, but, you know, there's a lot more attached to it, I think. Do, do we think there's any question mark over Adelaide now or are they still surefire premiership? Oh, they lost by one point, you know. You wouldn't doubt them too badly and they came back so hard. Yeah, another minute of the game, I'm not sure if uh, Western Bulldogs could have held. I have no no fear whatsoever that Adelaide will be in the grand final as to who they play. We'll be up to the others to fight it out, I think. Um, Phillips didn't touch the ball in the first half and then she, you know, was nearly one of the highest scorers at the end of the game. Uh, her and Marinoff and oh, someone else just uh, can't remember. Yeah, just they lifted their game and Pointer at one stage, scooping the ball up like she was just that was, was fantastic. They lifted when they had to, and they just ran out of time. So kudos to Western Bulldogs. Phillips had something like four touches in the first half, and then the beginning of the fourth quarter, he threw her in as a ruck in the centres. So they had four midfielders, really, you know, big uh, coaching call. But she had five touches in the first six minutes of that quarter. So he just absolutely changed the game. And, you know, when you've got capable players around, um, but yeah, I think sometimes you kind of look at teams and if you cruise through undefeated, that's where it's harder to then perform well in a grand final. But if you have a loss along the way, you learn a lot from it. And I reckon that's what Matthew Clark will take is um, so many key points out of that to really grow that team. So um, yeah, I still think they're absolute contenders for sure. Well, rolling on from what was a fantastic way to finish this round, let's turn our attention to some of the other stunning pieces of football that were played across the weekend. There were some big scores, some free-flowing ball movement, a big specky in the West, and then there were the Gold Coast Suns. Nat, what are the takeaways for you from AFOW Round 6? Um, look, one of the things that stood out to me was the inaccurate kicking. I was blown away by... Basically, the teams who won, that their inaccuracy nearly cost them. And I think against better sides, they're really going to ha uh, find themselves not winning those matches. Um, Brisbane, their first scoring shots, first 11 scoring shots were behinds. They ended up kicking three goals, 13. Uh, who else was there? Melbourne, six goals, eight. North, five, seven, which don't sound that bad, but they're up against losing some kicking, you know, one goal, one or one goal, three or two goals, six and things like that. But um, I don't know, it wasn't that windy this weekend. It wasn't that one of the bad rounds with the wind affected game. So I'm blown away that their accuracy kicking at goal um, isn't, it's 
hasn't improved enough over the years. So I don't know if there's some other reason that Kiwi, you might know why that's happening. But to me, it's it, it's a bit disappointing, the standard. Yeah, you were blown away, but it was actually a bit windy in Melbourne over the weekend. Um, I, I think it was at Frio as well. There was a bit of wind across their field. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's something not quite right with the kicking, and um, we can't blame the wind for all of the miss, all the all the behinds. Um, but yeah, some some interesting, you know, for Lions especially. I thought uh, some of those shots on goal they sh- they could have done a lot better with for sure. And um, and I think with North they let Richmond stay in the game because they just couldn't convert. Um, scoreboard pressure and then um, I don't know what's happening with Carlton like their their stats are pretty even throughout the game except for their efficiency inside 50 and um, so they're just getting way less shots on goal than um, than Frio did and you know they they've got some quality forwards there they really need to change that up for sure. I want to draw both of you back to the Gold Coast Suns again, who now sit seventh on the ladder, just outside that coveted sixth or fifth. Could they make? How good can they get the Gold Coast Suns? How far can they go? Do we think they've beaten Geelong this week? Maybe not such a tough match, but a lot of people would have picked Geelong on the up. How far can the Suns go? Well, they went from no wins last season to they're up to three already aren't they um they're looking fantastic and they're pretty confident and they're young and enthusiastic and um really good players across the field aren't they like names that i don't really know so that's the exciting bit is that um they're not this relying on the superstars to get them anywhere um they're sitting just outside of the imagine if they play finals this year that'd be unreal be great for the comp if that happens yeah if you look ahead they've got st kilda carlton you know, you'd pretty much back them, them in off. against those two teams. Mm-hmm. And then they rounded out against um, Collingwood, who are shaky, and Brisbane. So, you know, a bit of a grudge match um, up in Queensland. So, potentially, they could get, you know, three out of four, four out of four wins here. Now, conversely, we've seen Melbourne have a pretty good run. They're sitting pretty in the top four at the moment big-time premiership contenders, as a lot of commentators are predicting. But they have some tough matches coming up. So next round, round seven, they will meet Brisbane at Metricon Stadium. The following week, North Melbourne back at Casey. And by round nine, the Dees will have the Dockers over in Perth. This is a tough time for the Dees, to say the least. Nat, what do you reckon? Um, look, it's hard. Like, they had a great win on the weekend, but... It was against the Giants who were atrocious, but we'll get to that later. So I think it's really hard to judge where they're at. Um, They're winning and just slowly ticking along. But as you say, that's a a really tough run home to the finals. And Melbourne seem every season for five years almost, they leave it to the last minute or the last game to be making finals or they they just miss out and things like that. Uh, There's no guarantee in their last few games that any of them will be wins. So um, they'll need to be playing really good football. And I don't think they actually played really good football against the Giants. Um, I don't think that score of 44 to 7 was uh, a wide enough blowout for what it should have been. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they've been pretty inaccurate in front of goal. You know, they kicked eight behinds against the Giants. I think the week before against Suns, they had eight behinds. So, yeah, they really need to really work on that end of the ground to um, to go, you know, 
get good results against Brisbane and North for sure. Um, and then Frio is going to push them. But yeah, it'd be an interesting finish for them. Mm. All right, let's move on. Now, there's been a bit of conversation about the widening gap between the top four and the bottom four sides, and it seems to be making for some overly predictable footy. So Melbourne this week beat the Giants by 37 points, Frio beat Carlton by 42, and Collingwood beat West Coast by 24. Former Collingwood coach Wayne Sigman has controversially suggested that the only way to fix this is to start again and redraft all players. Coach Kiwi, we need your wise counsel on this. Do we have a problem? And if so, what's the solution? Does, is he saying this so Collingwood could have their chance to finally sign Aaron Phillips and the father-daughter rule? Ah, uh, I knew out. there was yeah, another agenda. <laughs> <laughs> Just a question. I don't know. Um, look, um, I kind of get where he's coming from, but I disagree with it, I think. And especially at the moment when they're part-timers, um, they should be paid to move interstate, which they don't currently get. They got it the first year, the marquee players. But um, but if if the new if the new CBA can bring that in and, and add that to their next big salary increase, I would expect um, that could come into it because I think that's currently one of the challenges in moving interstate or you know players travelling around so much. Um, but you know I think you got to look at some of the teams that are towards the bottom of the ladder who've been here from the from the beginning, you know, like Giants and Carlton and sort of question that perhaps it's something to do with the way they manage their lists because they've got good players on those lists. Um, they've had coaches that have been there for a few seasons. So I think there's more to it than just doing an overall redraft of everything uh, when the new teams come in. Well, I think you're right. With the new teams coming in, they're going to be stealing a lot of the good players from all the clubs. Um, they'll be able to handpick, and it, that's going to help balance competition as well. So I don't think there needs to be any back to basics. I think we'd lose what we've already set up with those established clubs. I think that's madness. Plus, plus the new teams usually get the early draft picks. So when they when the new teams come in, they get the early picks. So I think it I think it kind of balances its way out. But look at the men's comp. You know, they have a national draft, and um, still there's a big. You know, quite a big division between, you know, the top four and the bottom four. So I think that's football, right? That happens. Different styles, different types of playing, different fields, different lots of things, different clubs, different cultures. Let's go into it. Nat and Morgan, are you broadcasting tonight from the airport? <laughs> um, As we hear. That's what happens when you live in the West. That was the um, the 7.15 from Singapore <laughs> heading to the international airport. So uh, apologies. We should be right. I did leave the window open, so apologies. Look, if I, I see another one come, I'll slide it shut. <laughs> I hope they're flying in some aid to the Giants. That's all I have to say on that. Yeah. Okay, look, there's been a lot of talk also regarding player welfare. Um, and, of course, COVID has forced the AFL to make many fixture changes that sees most teams having to make late adjustments and play multiple times per week. The Lions, for example, have now played four games in 19 days. Ex-Collingwood player Shani Norder this morning on ABC's Offsiders was talking about how hard this is on players. In fact, she got really quite emotional about it. Do we think the AFL should be doing more for players in this difficult season, Kiwi? Yeah, I, it's a hard one to manage with COVID. And, you know, I think all the teams that have missed a game have got all these catch-up games now. And, you know... Um, 
I think it's wet. Is it either West Coast or Bulldogs have got four in 16 days? You know, I think Collingwood had three in 15. Um, Giants have got three coming up next week. They play Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. It's um, my only question around that is these midweek games, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're requiring players to take extra time off work. So, you know, how does that impact their employer or their, their, their day wages? Um, some of them, you know, like I know Erica Fowler has been working 14-hour day shifts as a paramedic. Where's, where do the players get their downtime and recovery time as well? So, um, you know, and that's probably where Shani's getting really passionate because she understands the stresses or she's seen life as, as a full-time athlete and she's been in a program where, you know, you're working around part-time athletes and expected to be working full-time hours. Um, those two teams that just flew to WA in the weekend – they went the day before, played the game, and then fly home the day after. So it's not straight in out. So really, that's three days of your week that you are travelling or amongst your team or doing things that you know you're not doing your day job or work or other recoveries and things. So um, you're certainly challenging. And then you know, around playing in the heat is um, you know we're copying a lot of heat at the moment across the country, and and they do have extended breaks, and there is the heat index rule that hasn't been brought in this year yet <laughs> um but you know that's certainly got to affect players although i haven't seen a lot of cramping which is usually your first sign of um lack of hydration through the games but um but when you look at players coming back from covid and squad numbers reduced with covid or injuries then it's less players to rotate in and out if they are pulling up a bit tired and sore. So, yeah, some big challenges for sure. And I think all of this has got to go towards the next CBA. When they sit down, 18 clubs sit down and re-sign, all of this has to come in and impact some of the decision-making. So the CBA is the collective bargaining agreement that happens between the players and the AFL Players Association. And that is due to happen at the end of this season, I believe, Kiwi. And that is a chance, of course, for all of these issues to be discussed with the union and, and have them, you know, take the, the players' concerns back to the AFL. I think a lot of what we're talking about won't come as any surprise to the AFL, really, where they're quite aware of, of you know, <laughs> the, uh, the, the difficult nature of this season. I guess the question that really hangs in the air is, should the AFL be doing something right now? that can help the players. And I think Norda was especially concerned for the players' bodies and the, the sort of heat toll, the hard grounds, the, the movement around the country, the not showering after games and having to fly back to Perth that West Coast had to suffer. You know, what do you think, Matt? Is there an issue here that the AFL should be intervening on right now or are they just going to wait for the end of the year and sort it out then? I, I, they're in a real tough place though, aren't they? Because two years ago when COVID hit, everyone cried, poor us, there was no grand final. The AFL at the moment are trying to get all these games that have been lost due to COVID and travel restrictions, things like that. They're doing their best to get all the games in so that all the players that in every club have had an equal opportunity to play. As a fan, I love the fact that I'm going to have a game of women's football on the TV for the next 10 days, I think it is, which is unreal. And that helps create the buzz around it and more people watching, things like that. But yes, as... For a player who's got a job, a partner, a kid, um, family, work, whatever it is, that they're chopping changing these flights that change for a different game. We're not here, we're there. You know, it is so confusing. The people at clubs who are changing flights and accommodation and buses and all those sorts of things, it's, it's mayhem. It must just be a really, really tough time. And I, I think AFL included, they're all doing their best with what they've got. Um, for this 
But this CBA, as you say, can fix it in the future. I think everyone's just doing what they can to, to get the season completed equally. Yep, well said, both of you. We very much look forward to seeing what that CBA brings into the season. I think it's going to be a hot talking point. I do hope that uh, it gets lots of mainstream media coverage. Looking to round seven. So there are some interesting matchups for round seven. For, what are the standouts for you, Kiwi? We've got a few interesting games coming up. What jumps out for you? Um, I think the, the Lions and um, D's game is going to be a classic match for that, you know, to stay in touch with Adelaide pretty much is what that game will be. Um, but then the other end of the ladder, I think you look at Carlton and Saints, you know, which which one of them is going to get an edge and get the win? And, um, you know, I think St Kilda showed this week that they've got a little bit of fight in them. Perhaps they could have got over the line against West Coast on Tuesday when they played the catch-up round. Um, and then, you know, they they – play pretty well over the weekend, but will they have enough to beat Carlton? Because Carlton have been playing poorly as well. So, um, yeah, that, that'll be an interesting game for, for those reasons. I think I think the Giants played a pretty terrible game against the Ds and they're going to cop a very fired-up Crows team. So, um, yeah, it's, it's out at um, Blacktown on Saturday. Hopefully they get a good crowd out there. It's three o'clock in the afternoon, so people can actually get to that game. It's a good time. Um, sit on the hill, bring an umbrella and sit under the shade. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to cop a very angry crow's side. Nat and Morgan, we've invited you onto the show and we're a good way through it now. We have not yet talked about your beloved pies. I do apologise. I'd like to take this opportunity to note that my mob are taking on your mob at North Hobart Oval next Sunday at 3.10pm. What think you of this? Well, I thought the question was, what shall our wager be? <laughs> Name a six-pack or a schooner or a... <laughs> $5 scratchy or the above. I'll accept all of them, Emma. All of the above. Let's go for it. North Melbourne home game in Hobart. Notch it up. Uh, look, I've got to Tell say. Tell me about your pies. That is, that is my concern is that North Melbourne play always so well down in Tassie that they've got a really good win ratio down there. Um, pies, I think, um, if they get Chiochi back and if they don't put Sabs back in the team, we're a chance. <laughs> um, her... Her loss was, it didn't make me sad. It brought me joy because I think she's been holding us back when there was more freedom. Um, is it uh, Castian? She she played that strong, powerful forward role and she plays it better, I think. She's a bit mobile around the ground. I think with O'Day back in the side playing that in and under grunt work, Pies will be a chance to, to um, I don't know, nullify North Melbourne. And, yeah, what do you reckon? Uh, a schooner of beer later in the week. What do you reckon? Yeah. Yep, let's do it. All right. Good luck. <laughs> and just, just to wrap up that round seven, we have the Western Bulldogs taking on Geelong on Friday night. The Giants, perhaps unfortunately, meeting Adelaide, as Kiwi mentioned, on Saturday at 3.10. Carlton take on St Kilda. West Coast Eagles will take on Richmond on Saturday evening. Then the North versus Collingwood match starts us off on Sunday and finishes the round finishes with Brisbane taking on Melbourne, which really will be that match of the round. Now, it would be remiss of us not to discuss the Giants from the weekend. I was hoping to keep the tone of things quite up for the remainder of the pod, the remainder of this episode, and I'm afraid it's not going to go that way. Uh, Kiwi, would you like to start us off in the conversation about the Giants and how they went this past round? 
Oh, look, it's just it's just disappointing. And, um, you know, there's – you kind of look at the last game they played. They had some really quality young players who I thought stood up, you know, under adversity because they had a chunk of their team out with COVID. Um, and, you know, they didn't get the momentum from that because they, then they had the week off with, with more of the team with COVID. So – Perhaps do we give them the benefit of the doubt that they're still suffering, you know, some energy levels? It was, you know, a hot, windy occasion. It's never nice at Casey Fields anyway. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That I just, I just thought they were a little bit. Oh, I don't want to say woeful. They were probably searching for some better decision making around the ground. You know, they, they for for part of the game, they kind of shut off. Demons inside feed of the ball, which is what they're very strong at doing and switching switching lanes and changing angles across the field, and then and then it was almost like they went, oh, we're bored of this. We'll let you go back to playing to your strength and just let the D's back in and um, and it's just uh, yeah, it's just it's disappointing for the Giants fans and I think and for Sydney and they they're kind of doing the opposite of what everyone's saying about Adelaide, right? They're saying Adelaide are playing super hard. They want to win a premiership because it's their last time together and they'll probably be split with Port coming in. Well, where's that grunt from the Giants? Swans are knocking on the door, are bound to take some players. Where's their grunt? Where's their fight? And apart from, you know, Jess Doyle did well, but I think she's a given that she'll go back to Swans because she's a Swans Academy player. Um, do, do others not feel threatened in their roles or do they, you know, is is it just is it a hangover from COVID? But something wasn't right. Now, it needs to be said that the Giants went through almost the entire match with no score. And it was only with three minutes to go in the last quarter that they put a couple of quick scores on the board so they didn't completely embarrass, and embarrass themselves. Nat, where to for the Giants? Well, with, as you say, just a couple of minutes left in the game, I thought we're a chance for pants down here. <laughs> No score, nudie run was coming up. I, I was I was a bit disappointed they scored in the end. But <laughs> look, it's all it's all in the perception of where they think they're at because Elise Parker after the game said that there was nothing to be proud of that performance. Alan McConnell said they'll battle it around the ground, and I think he even used the word embarrassing at one stage. But the very first post that the G, uh, the Giants Facebook page came up with about an hour after the game. Their headline was a spirited fight, but it ends in defeat at Casey Field. Now, I saw no spirit. I saw no fight. I have no, and if, oh, I was blown away by that. One of Morrison's is working at the They Giants. play the young kids. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, I would rather they pick the young kids like they did at Henson a fortnight ago where they were full of spirit and spunk and they ran and they had fresh legs and they had a go. I would rather they play the young kids and lose badly like they did on the weekend than play the old senior players and lose badly because they're gaining nothing. The young ones aren't getting experience. And I think the old players who aren't actually even old, say the senior players I should call them, I think the week that they all set out with ailments or illness, that they shouldn't be back in the team, some of them. I was so disappointed with their performance and it, it's time to put – they're not making finals, so give the young kids a go and actually try and blood them and keep them before the Swans come picking. Lift your game. As said by Morgan. And uh, that probably probably brings us to a wrap. This has been round six of the Coat Hanger for AFLW Season 6. We will be coming to you every week on 2SER 107.3 FM. Be sure to catch us on our socials. We are at Coat Hanger Footy on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to catch the full version of this show in our podcast with extra content in the fifth quarter wherever you get your podcasts. 
And as always, for the best harbour views in women's footy, tune in to, in to the, the Coat Hanger. Welcome to the fifth quarter of the Coat Hanger, round six of the AFLW. You're here with myself, Emma Phillips, and Coach Kiwi to discuss the Women's Summer Series, which is a brand new concept introduced this year to aid the academies from both the Giants and the Swans have a contest outside of the AFLW and obviously the Swans not yet being there, looking forward to them coming into the competition next year. Now, this series, Kiwi, is four weeks long. I believe there are three weeks of four teams playing off plus finals. Now, those four teams are made up of two, two teams from the Sydney Swans or red team and a white team and two teams from the Giants, an orange team and a, and a grey team, Correct. Yeah, I think they call the grey team charcoal, but yes. Grey, charcoal is a much better word than grey team. We'll have to edit that little bit out. <laughs> I knew they called it something and grey was all I could have in my mind. Um, now, the Giants, I would imagine at this stage, probably have a lot more game time experience than the Swans. What happened in the first games in the weekend just past Kiwi? Yeah, look, it is. It's really interesting. And what you'll get is um, the Giants' orange team are built up with the players on the western side of Sydney Metro. So the current girls who are in the train-on squad and current AFLW players who didn't play for the Giants in the weekend. So the likes of um, Georgia Garnier, Tate Mackerel, um, you know, they all got to go out and have a run around and they did well. They absolutely flogged the Sydney team they played against. Um, Tate got on the scoreboard. Georgia Garnett got on the scoreboard. Halverson got on the scoreboard. So names that you'll recognise. And then others from the chain on squad, um, Gillian Behan, who plays out of Inner West Magpies, uh, got on the scoreboard. So she's a young Irish player who's been, you know, around about the train on level for a few years now. But their score was 8-17-65 against Swans White. One zero six, and that Swans white team is also Sydney Metro, so you would think there'd be a little bit of a more closer balance between the two, perhaps. You know, um, if we turn the clock back to I think it was twenty fourteen when we had the exhibition matches prior to AFLW starting. The Sydney Swans Academy then, which was Sydney Metro versus the Giants Academy was the absolute reverse and all the quality players were in the inner west area and um, that Swans team played out of, on the SCG that night and uh, flogged the Giants team. So interesting that there's such a big gap between the two. Um, the other game was um, Sydney Swans Red, who are from the Hunter Coast area, northern New South Wales. So I think there's three players that came down from Coffs Harbour to participate. Um, and they played against Giants Charcoal, who are predominantly your ACT players and the greater western part of New South Wales is <laughs> is what is Giants territory. And their result was pretty similar in uh, Giants won 10, 10, 70 to 0, 0 or 0, 1. Mm, one behind scored. Um, so results, one behind. So... It's a worry for Swans looking ahead um, because this is you know, potentially where they're going to get some of their uh, draftees from. I would imagine that this would be the sorts of 
scores at this point perhaps for a very new swan side across both of those two teams they may not be terribly worried about it at the moment i'm curious to know kiwi what do you make of this series how valuable is this series for both the swans and the giants and more so for new south wales footy i think it's incredibly valuable in that you get to now see the two academies and see where the level is at and obviously for the Giants you've got some basis of some of those players who play AFRW level but these ones are not getting picked at AFRW level so then the Swans being competitive at that level or are they a lot you know tiers lower and you know it would be fantastic if Swans and Giants could enter teams into the VFRW so that's the state league competition like the men do that gives you a good gauge on, you know, that next, the second tier of players coming through. But for me, and even looking at the games, and I know the weather was pretty terrible on Saturday at Tom Wills Oval, uh, it it was poor quality football. Mm. I don't know if I should use quality with the word poor, um, but just the decision-making, the skill execution, uh, even the structures around the stoppages just – really didn't look like state level, didn't even look like the premier comp um, that you get in Sydney. So my worry is if this is what we've taken the cream of the crop and then they're playing against each other and that's, you know, and that's what we're getting as, as you know, the cream on the cake, perhaps it's a cake I don't want to eat. <laughs> well, they're alarming signs, aren't they, Kiwi? I mean, we've just finished the pod by saying that the Giants are not travelling so well. A couple of weeks ago, we brought the coaching staff at the Giants into question. There are some very serious considerations for this team. We've got Sydney with their 4,000 members and everything's looking forward and positive, and yet it hasn't been the greatest of starts for them in this summer series, though I'm sure nobody expected them to win these. Three more weeks to go. I wonder whether we pick this up again in a couple of weeks, touch base on it and see where everybody is at. And with those players that are coming through have, have adjusted, perhaps we have better weather in the coming rounds. Who knows at the moment, <laughs> uh, you know, and we can get a better gauge on where things are at. I think your point's a good one though about the second tier competition and that being missing in New South Wales, especially compared with the more traditional football states. And Victoria has a, you know, a premier competition that supports a lot of players who are not necessarily getting those AFLW teams. And we've known for a long time that New South Wales haven't been, hasn't been able to offer players that. Will they eventually be able to afford to send teams each week to the VFLW competition? It seems like the best answer, doesn't it? Yeah, well, they do it for the men. So, you know, let's do it for the women. If we, if we are, are really serious about developing that level and being competitive, then, you know, that's really where our players need to go. And, you know, for a few, for, you know, back a few years ago, Adelaide linked with an, um, a VFLW team. So their players went up and played. Um, Giants have had some practice matches down in the VFLW. And then last season they linked with Williamstown. Um, so, you know, perhaps for the Swans or even I'd be just tapping a few of the Swans players, you know, their their best academy players perhaps and say, look, go and link up and we'll look after your flights and, you know, get down and play in the VFLW just so they can be tested at a higher level. I just, I just think that's where you need to be tested to see what you need to work on. And, you know, you can turn up in an academy and still be the best player at the academy, but unless you're tested against the best players – how do you know how good you you're really going? And you know, and we know Sydney's been behind in our development of top tier players for a few years. So you know, 
do what we can to close that gap and and do it quickly. We, we kind of do need to rush a little bit. Certainly can't argue with that. So for those who are interested, the next couple of matches in this Women's Summer Series is next Sunday, this coming Sunday, the 20th of February at Blacktown International Sports Park. Giants Charcoal, not the grey team, the charcoal team, <laughs> will take on Giants Orange at 12pm. Swans White will take on Swans Red at 2pm. So two great matches. You're seeing ideally that second tier of classy female talent in the state. So I encourage listeners to get along. Thanks for listening. This has been the fifth quarter of The Code Hanger. Don't forget to follow us on the socials and we look forward to your company next week.